this week we topped two hundred million dollar market cap. That was that was. I'm still a bit dizzy from it. <laughs> By being agnostic and working with anyone and everyone, you know, we're not we're not out there at the coalface trying to compete for customer sales, but we get a clip of every single bottle that gets moved. A big part of it is telling the story. You know, try not to talk about what you're going to do, but talk about what you've done. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. It's Monday morning. Let's talk wine and fulfillment. What can go wrong, right? Today's guest is Dean Taylor, who has a long history in the online wine business. He's founded and sold wine businesses such as Cracker Wines, My Wine Guy, and The Wine Collective. I'd call him Australia's version of Gary Vaynerchuk, but he might not be too happy with that. Dean joins me to discuss his latest venture, Wine Depot, which aims to simplify and streamline the warehouse and fulfillment process for wine manufacturers who want to go direct to customers. Launching in 2018, it has gained incredible traction so far with some of Australia's leading wine manufacturers signing on. They've also expanded into a new marketplace model and now have a market cap of almost $200 million under the ASX entity Digital Wine Ventures, stock code DWA if you're playing along at home. For full transparency, I am a very low-level stock owner. But I've featured Dean not because of that, but because I think he's solving a big problem for smaller manufacturers looking to take advantage of the e-com opportunity, especially for Australian producers looking to go overseas. Now, make sure you stay until the end because there is a very tragic and hugely amusing story around a thug and a broken bottle of wine from the 1800s. Dean also shares his favourite wines that he's discovered and currently enjoying. So if you're into that kind of thing, they're worth sticking around for. Apologies again for my voice here. I swear I haven't had surgery to get it deepened. Trust me, I looked into it. It's not a tax write-off to have surgery to get a deepened voice on a podcast, but I'm on the mend. Now, thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet, here's our conversation with Dean Taylor from Wine Depot. Dean Taylor, welcome to Add to Cart. Thanks very much for having me, Nathan. Pleasure. Now, we uh, first met it was about a year and a half ago, back in October 2019, before COVID hit. We were on a uh, drinks innovation panel in, uh, was it Sydney or Melbourne? It was in Sydney. It was in yeah. Sydney. yeah. At, uh, the retail drinks uh, conference and uh, AGM, I think it was. So. That's it. And you were in the earlier stages of digital wine ventures, even though it's been going for a long time, but launching the new venture. But since then, it's exploded. It's gone off the charts, and it's, I think it's worth about ten times more than than what it was back then. Can you give us a little bit of an overview around what you do, firstly, before we get into that growth story? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, Digital One Ventures is the listed company, um, and um, at the moment we we just have one asset, which is uh, a business that I founded and sold into Digital One Ventures called Wine Depot. Uh, Wine Depot is a platform business, um, technology platform. We essentially are providing, I guess, wine and beverage producers um, a platform that they can use to manage 
their direct-to-consumer and their direct-to-trade channels and hopefully sometime in the future their direct-to-export channels. And uh, it essentially creates efficiencies in the supply chain. And so we, you know, we're, even though those channels um, that we're introducing to them are, are far more profitable, they generate much higher margins, often that margin's lost because of the um, logistics required to support D2C in particular. And so uh, the platform connects with the existing technologies, allows the data to flow through nice and easily. We hold their inventory across a network of depots around the country. And um, as those orders come through, they get um, sent to the depot closest to the customer. They get picked and packed sometimes same and, and the next day delivered. And um, because they're delivering locally, it's, it's a lot cheaper. So, uh, so that's really, I guess, the you know, sort of the broad overview. Um, we're in the process of launching the director trade component uh, as we speak. Um, the uh, one depot market, we're calling it, which is um, essentially allows the suppliers to sell directly through to trade buyers and bypassing traditional distribution, uh, which normally would cost them thirty five percent of the wholesale price. And we're doing that for ten percent. So it's a massive. Um, saving in terms of you know, the margin that that otherwise lose. And obviously it leverages that logistics network that we've already built um, out to fulfil those orders. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting times. It is. And this isn't your first wine venture. You've had a few wine ventures before this that you've been successful in. Is this a problem, though, that you've always seen that is specific for wine that you're solving now? Yes, it is. And, and it was really, I mean, this, you're right, this is the eighth uh, venture in wine and tech space. And in many ways, I think it was the challenges that I faced in, in most of those other businesses that led to the business plan for, for Wine Depot. You know, there was um, about uh, 10 years ago, I had a business called Cracker Wines, and it was a pure play marketplace, consumer marketplace. We were very good at um, acquiring customers and generating sales orders, but then we would send the orders on to the wineries to get them fulfilled and that's where things broke. And so, um, you know, it was really sort of trying to figure out what would be a solution that would work for our business that led me down the path, um, you know, to, to create the you know, wine depot model. Uh, and then I realised at the time, you know, when we started to model it up that, um, you know, one business wasn't really, um, you know, uh, big enough to support the, the platform and the only way it would really work was if it was, Agnostic, and um, you know any any channel could use that. Um, you know the, the supporting infrastructure, as well as not just being for consumers, it had to be able to work for trade as well. Um, so, um, so yeah, it was about um, two and a half, three years ago. I sort of um, moved on from on what was uh, you know had become a wine collector business, and uh, after merger and and kicked off this one. Beautiful. So just to put myself into the wine merchant's shoes, so I own a winery, I'm living the good life or what people think is the good life until you've got to do the hard work. Um, and I want to sell online. I've always probably sold into bottle shops or at the um, at, at my winery and now I want to sell online and you're offering through Wine Depot the opportunity to send a whole bunch of cases into a centralised warehouse. Is it one warehouse or a couple of warehouses? There's a combination of models. So if they're a fairly small producer, we have one uh, it's a national distribution centre. It's located on the border of uh, New South Wales and Victoria. And from that site, we're able to offer same, uh, next day delivery into Sydney and Melbourne and Adelaide, one day in, uh, plus one day into Brisbane. 
And so uh, from that one warehouse, they can actually service the entire East Coast um, you know, incredibly well. But if they're, um, you know, a bigger winery and they've got um, more inventory and, and they, they would like to have same-day deliveries done, then we've got a network of depots in all the capital cities, so Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth. They can hold inventory in market and then so uh, and I guess you know that most most wineries now have got to the point where they've got some sort of website up and running, but as, as you know, the website's not half of it, it's actually getting people to the website, that's a challenge. And so um, what we're doing is uh, in that direct to consumer channel, we're helping them by connect, allowing them to connect to lots of other online marketplaces and, and retailers. And so we've just recently announced a partnership with uh, Vivino. Uh, so they'll be able to have their wines range through Vivino using that same inventory instance. Um, and there's, a, you know, there's others, obviously, there, you know, there's the Amazons and the Ebays and things like Dan Murphy's, their, you know, sort of marketplace and, 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 and a whole host of other online retailers that we're looking to connect into that infrastructure. So it, it helps those smaller wineries, you know, sort of develop that reach uh, across a much broader market without having to, I guess, invest in the, the, the digital marketing capability. Gotcha. So it's a, it's about connecting directly into consumers to to do that fulfilment piece, but then the new marketplace is also allowing them to go into retailers as well and fulfill and yeah. reach a whole bunch of new customers. Absolutely. And so, you know, the direct-to-trade marketplace we're launching, that allows for, for a lot of small producers, they're, they're probably too small for a distributor to take on. Um, or they, they, they just have a cost model that doesn't support giving away that much margin to a distributor. And so for, for all of those, um, often very good producers, but just small volumes, we're enabling them a really easy ramp into the wholesale market. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful we'll actually grow the, the size of the wholesale market by, um, by providing them such an easy way to get on. Yeah, brilliant. And, and you've got some amazing wineries already on your books, like Peter Lehman, Brokenwood, Casella, household names. But then also, as you said, there's a lot of um, smaller wineries that are now getting their chance to distribute their product all over the country and soon all over the world. Is there any um, standout stories that you can recall of how your distribution model has actually changed one of those businesses, those small wine businesses? Yeah, look, I guess, um, I mean, we'd only just launched the business, you know, sort of, uh, it was in, 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 in late, uh, 2019. And, um, and, uh, you know, the, you might recall there was some devastating bushfires ripping through most of Australia at the time. And, um, but one of the wine regions that was really badly affected was the Adelaide Hills. And there's a, um, a, a absolute gorgeous little winery in there called Golding, Golding Wines. And, um, they were really uh, quite affected by the, the fires, unfortunately. Um, and a beautiful couple who've, um, you know, sort of nurtured this, you know, it's not just a winery, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a wedding reception venue and, um, you know, cafe restaurant as well. And, um, you know, they were really knocked around. And so, um, you know, they, um, and then, you know, within, you know, um, a month or two afterwards, everyone was in lockdown because of COVID. And so, you know, their cash flow, absolutely dried up overnight and so we were able to to quickly integrate them into our um, network and not only you know support them at a logistics level but, but but get the message out there and promote it across our shareholders and, and I guess our contacts within the, uh, the industry and community and um, and uh, you know we're uh, you know, sort of working with them um, you know, they're able to to get their business back on track and get inventory moving get that cash flow and then 
get back into the job of fixing their winery. And so, so that that was really rewarding to to to, to be involved with that. Yeah. And um, you know, they're they're you know kicking goals again, which is fantastic to see. Listen to this. That's me playing my new air guitar. Our friends at Signet recently partnered with Air Guitar Australia and were responsible for protecting the national team's air guitars while on tour in Australia and around the world. We are proud to announce not a single air guitar was broken while in Signet's packaging. Confused? Worried that you may have gone a little loco? I certainly am. Visit signet.net.au forward slash air guitar to find out more. In terms of how it works then, post that delivery. So you send, so in the traditional model, you send the, the order out on behalf of uh, the winery to the direct to the customer. How does customer service and returns work from there? Yeah, look, I, I guess it's up to the winery. Uh, you know, a lot of wineries, you know, want to remain hands on involved in that experience. We just passed the, all of the data points back to them to allow them to, to either manage the customer journey or the customer, you know, they're giving them tracking information, et cetera. But look, there's a growing number of wineries that are saying, listen, can you guys do it for us? And so we we provide fully outsourced service for those for those wineries. And, and, and not just wineries, but, you know, um, craft spirits producers and craft brewers as well now. And um, and in that way, you know, it's um, it becomes just an extension of, of, of their business. You know, we we um, respond to the customers if they're them, uh, provide them all with the tracking details and notifications, and you know, sort of some point in the future, we'll allow them to to you know, we'll leverage some of our resources to to drive up sales as well. So um, so yeah, so it's um, it's a combination. It really depends on 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 the, on the, on the customers' needs. Um, you know, we're finding more and more people love the idea of passing that on to someone else to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then in terms of your fulfillment partners to get the from the warehouse out to the customer, I noticed that you're partnered with Australia Post. Is it just Australia Post that you go through? Uh, look, we launched with Australia Post, but we've since added another um, uh, four providers into our network. And it, it really depends on you know, where it's going, where it's coming from, where it's going and, and um, the size and, and type of delivery. So, um, you know, we've introduced um, Couriers Please into the network. Uh, we're also working with Direct Couriers. We've got um, Order Express um, tend to do a lot of our regional deliveries and, um, and larger deliveries um, into business. Uh, and... Um, now, there's also, um, we're starting actually to develop out some of our own fleet capacity as well, just to help support um, the, uh, the, the, the trade deliveries in particular, which is um, you know, it's quite a specialised need to deal with um, you know, a, a venue in the city at you know, only at a certain time of day and um, certain days of the week. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I think what what are the complexities around delivering wine and spirits and alcohol in general that a lot of people may not understand that aren't typically covered by a typical courier service that you really need to take into account. Yeah, well, look, obviously, uh, there's the whole responsible service for alcohol. Um, so you know, obviously, making sure that recipients, you know, um, the right person, and uh, they're at least eighteen years old. We've got ID, ID to prove that. 
Um, but um, but now it's it's you know uh, there's there's in South Australia and and um, recently in New South Wales there's new regulations as well, particularly around same day deliveries, and so. Um, you know, there's a whole code of conduct and um, new legislation that's been introduced to really try to manage that space. So I guess it's been the explosion of, you know, like the Jimmy Brings type, you know, alcohol services and and tipples and the like. And so, uh, so there's a whole lot of there's compliance in there as well. And not every carrier, you know, can afford to send its drivers off to get um, you know responsible service training or building in the, the compliance piece into their PDAs and making sure that they're getting signatures and checking the ID and and, um, and even the times of the day at which things can be delivered. So, um, so yeah, so, look, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more complex. Um, obviously, it's fragile, it's bulky, it's heavy, prone to damage. Um, doesn't, doesn't um, well, you know, it's not quite as easy as sending a, um, you know, a little satchel full of bras or... Um, you know, sort of uh, iPhone, you know, sort of across the country. But, um, but yeah, look, it's, uh, it, it, it is something which I, I believe is becoming more and more specialised. I, I guess we really want to be the um, company that sets the benchmarks for um, standard service in that, that sector. Yeah, brilliant. And where do you stand on compliance in terms of e-commerce and alcohol at the moment? Do you feel like we've got the level right or do you think it's too strict or too relaxed? Uh, look, I, I, th- I think, I mean, the, the industry is... It's predominantly been self-regulating up to now. Um, it's just the it's probably with COVID, you know, there was there was a whole lot of metrics which got distorted. Um, you know, it made it sound like everyone was getting, you know, at home getting lashed, and <laughs> and, and you know, alcohol kids in the hands of minors. But the, the reality was, it wasn't. I mean, um, if you look at the whole consumption of alcohol over the last year, it's actually declined. You know, it was really what was happening was there was getting more and more going out through online deliveries, obviously, but um, less being consumed in on-premise. So, um, so look, I think generally everyone's everyone's you know recognises the risks associated with it, and I think you know the you know there's um, there's certainly evidence to support that you know the, the self-regulation is working at the moment. You know, look, it doesn't hurt to to, to bring in some of these stricter controls just to 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 make sure that. Um, there's no harm being done, to, in particular to, to, to minors or, or you know, having alcohol de- delivered into communities where it's just not meant to be as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if we've got um, wineries or brewers or any alcohol producers listening to this and they go, oh, this sounds fantastic, we're on Shopify at the moment or we, we've got our other systems, how much technical integration does it take to actually move into having Wine Depot fulfil on, on their behalf? Look, we've developed standard integrations now with most of the e-com platforms. So Shopify, e-commerce, WooCommerce, um, Magento, you know, one, two. So, you know, we can, we can spin up an integration with them, you know, generally within you know, 24 hours. You know, we, we often do that, um, you know, sort of complementary, um, you know, within a lot of work. If they've got a custom system, um, ideally, you know, we'd need to work with an API. And connect that with our own API, but um, but look, we've we've managed to develop integrations with most of the ERP systems, accounting systems, uh, SR systems, a whole bunch of things. So you know, generally, you know, it's a pretty easy process. You know, as long as they've got someone who's got some technical skills to help us configure things. And you know, the trickiest thing is always making sure we've got the units to measure right. So if they they want one bottle delivered, they get one bottle delivered, one case, and vice versa. So. Um, but um, but look, it's 
I, I guess that's where, you know, in many ways the platform we've created is not just um, you know, helping them manage their inventory and orders um, and, you know, uh, we've provided them almost like a, a device that, uh, or a piece of technology that allows them to connect to the ecosystem. And so that includes our own technologies, but others like I mentioned before, Rubino and, and um, you know, other online retailers. And, and it's, 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 I think that's where technology's moved so far in the last 10 years that, you know, getting those connectors in place now is actually pretty simple. And, um, you know, um, that's really, I guess, a lot of what our platform does for them is just make, make, make it simple, simple and streamline the whole process. You must look at e-commerce today compared to when you were launching Cracker Wines back then and go, oh, so simple to start e-commerce now compared to when I was playing around in the early days. Oh, mate, listen, the amount of money we tore up uh, on custom custom sites, it, was, it, was, it scares me now when I look back at it. You know, like, uh, you know, we'd see a new feature come out, like, a, you know, a refer a friend or something, and, you know, I'd you get the developers in, would bunker down, and, and two months later, you know, the team of six would pump out a, a new, you know, tool for you. And now you can subscribe to that sort of thing for two dollars forty nine a month, you know, from, from from one of those app stores. But um, but yeah, look, it's um, it's come a long way, and um, you know, it's just that, that those whole package systems, you know, like Shopify, are just absolutely amazing. Um, you know, they just continue to release functionality every day of the week, and um, you know, if you're a you're a, a, a you know a startup. You know you're mad not to to harness the you know the power and potential of some of those platforms just to give you a running start. You know maybe down the track if you if you're going to be you know create a, an entirely new product, particularly an app. You know you might need to develop something yourself. But but yeah, these days it's it's yeah. Gosh, I wish I wish they'd been around. You know like amount <laughs> uh, of uh, yeah dollars we could save. So. But but it's also too now you've got your custom um, services and, and niche providers, people like yourselves going, I need to work backwards now into the Shopify's and into the big commerce and into the Magento's rather than the other way around. So sometimes you don't need that custom base because everyone who's doing the customizations outside of you are actually coming back your That's way. That's right. Away. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I just, you know, I think this whole, you know, the last couple of years, this, this headless architecture has developed as well, you know, and, um, um, so if you get doing anything tricky, um, you know, you, 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 you can build it in the background and then just use some of those e-commerce platforms just as the, as a way of dressing up the, uh, you know, the customer experience. But, but yeah, no, look, it's, um, the, that, they've moved beyond e-commerce now and they're now becoming fully functional ERP systems as well. You know, the the ability to build flows in and make them, you know, sort of, um, you know, automate not just marketing but, but, you know, a whole range of functions. It's it's getting pretty powerful and, um, you know, I think that we're only just seeing the start of what, you know, what potential could get unleashed from from these once you start to layer a bit of AI as well. Absolutely. Have you got AI plans in the back of your mind? Yeah, look, look. of course. I mean, I think we'd be mad too um, these days. Um, you know, for us, I mean, with the particularly the, the direct-to-trade marketplace, you know, we're dealing with a really broad range of user types that have very different needs. And, um, you know, it's not quite as predictable, I think, as, as um, consumers I mean, whether you've got a venue that might be a Chinese restaurant and, you know, the type of products it needs versus a steakhouse, you know, there's, there's the poles apart. And, but, but you can't, you can't just stereotype them and, and um, you know, you need to really 
pull in as many data points as possible to help refining and curating that that profit for them. So, so yeah, so we've, we've certainly, um, you know, we're, we're at a stage now we, we, we're just more accumulating the data to help us make the, you know, the, make make those steps down the track. But we're, we're certainly building the infrastructure um, to allow for that capability in due course. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the last question I've got on the on the model, if we've if we've got potential vendors listening or wine merchants, what's the the pricing model to be involved with Wine Depot? Yeah, sure. So so look with the um, I guess if if we look at just the logistics part to start with, we charge just a um, a very simple handling fee. It's about two dollars fifty a case. To, to process something through our network. And then the delivery fees depend on, I guess, you know, where, where, where their stock's located, where it's going. But in most of the major capitals, it's, it's as little as $7.95 a case to have it um, delivered. So compared to shipping it from, you know, let's say it's Margaret River, you know, it might cost you $35 or $40 a case to get wine across to someone in Sydney. You know, it's a mammoth saving. With the direct-to-trade marketplace, we're just working on 10% of the transaction value as a commission uh, compared to the 35% the distributors take. And often a distributor will want another 10 to 50% on top of marketing support. So um, so it's, it's dramatically different. We're also, obviously, then they're getting access to our, our cheap um, delivery rates as well. So, you know, there's, um, it, it really, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a no-brainer when they, you know, they look at, I guess, the, the amount of money that they can save, but also um, the amount of time uh, they can save in getting their, their, their products to market. And um, as you'd know as well, you know, the, the, you know there's, a, there's a, a direct correlation between how, how quickly you can get your, your products delivered in, in terms of how quickly they'll come back and reorder and, and how quickly they'll give you a nice rating as well. So, uh, and, and when you get it wrong, it, that all works in inverse at a, at a compounded rate. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you hear about it, don't you? You do, you do. You know, on, online can be very rewarding. Uh, if you get it right, but it can be very crunchy when you get it wrong. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so a lot of what we're trying to do is is, is you know, provide the platform that allows those wineries to compete with big retailers. Um, yeah, it's funny. It, it follows kind of a similar theme. We were speaking to um, Justin Hilberg, who is the MD of SurfStitch, and they've just opened up um, fulfillment for other brands as well using the SurfStitch model. And we were talking a similar line around you know, people who have been in the industry for so long and solved the fulfillment issue, when you're coming into e-commerce for the first time, often your head's in that spot of how do I acquire new customers? How do I deliver a great online experience? And then it's the, oh, shit, fulfillment moment. And if you can leverage people who have been in, because it's the hardest thing to crack, if you can leverage people who have been in it for a long time and get their efficiencies of scale and their process straight away, that's a huge competitive advantage. Yeah, no, you, you're so right. And I think the um, it does take take a while to get there and, and just to get the scale. You know? I mean, there's a lot there's a lot to even get the tech working in behind the scenes. You know, um, you know, often it's little things about just how, how you actually cut up those routes and, and, and the handovers between the different providers as it, as it, as it gets passed down the line. I mean, people, people sort of have this vision that there's one driver or set off from Adelaide and, you know, be responsible for delivering a case of wine all the way to someone in Brisbane on a better cotton wool, but it doesn't quite like that. So, but, um, but yeah, no, look, and I think, I think, um, you know, that if you look at, um, you know, the businesses that have, you know, done well in e-commerce globally, I mean, you know, it is the fulfillment that's actually separated them. I mean, Amazon, you know, in particular, 
you know, um, obviously, you know, Alibaba in, in, in China, that, you know, they were, they were businesses that focused every, every resource on, on fulfillment rather than the, you know, the e-com component. And, and that's really what put them on the map. And, and you know, even locally, you know, you know, businesses like appliances online, you know, they, they cracked, you know, delivering big, bulky, you know, household appliances, you know, and they turned it into a fantastic experience and taking away your old ones, and, you know. So, um, yeah, look, I think, um, you know, the, the people who, who focus on that part um, are certainly the ones who tend to succeed. Absolutely. Now, we alluded to it at the start of our conversation around the massive growth because you're ASX listed and where you've been in the last 18 months the the market valuation is about 10 times of where you were 18 months ago. What do you put that down to in terms of what have you done that you can go, like the market now gets what we're doing? Yeah, look, I guess you're right. A big part of it is telling the story. And, um, you know, it is, um, look, it's jumping on podcasts like this and, you know, out to invest briefings and just getting out and communicating with the industry and, and, and you know, financial markets in particular, you know, with what we're doing. So, look, at this, it's a big part. I guess the other thing is that, you know, once you, you come into that space too, I mean, public companies, it's a, it's, it's, it's a new new experience for me. It's my first public company. And so, you know, a lot of it I've, I've been learning on, on the way. But, um, you know, you um, if you say something, you're going to do something, then you, if you, you know, you do it, you get rewarded. If you don't, you get punished. And so, you know, a lot of it is just making sure that, you know, you're, Got a, a clear, got a clear vision. I guess a roadmap to achieve that vision, and then I guess just identifying all the di- different steps along the way um, to the to the investment community, and and then you know not getting you know try not to talk about what you're going to do, but talking about what you've done. And um, you know I've, I've certainly found that to to pay dividends, and because there's there's sometimes things for whatever reason you can't do, you know, like it just doesn't happen, and or there's a change of strategy, you know, or COVID, you know, like. So you, you know you need to make a quick pivot. So so you know keep, keep keeping the market informed is, is really critical. Um, we we get congratulated by brokers and investors alike just about the frequency of our communications and giving them updates and and not expecting them to understand the jargon or the you know the um, the terminology that we you know we kick around and, and trying to put it into simple and plain language and. Um, but look, I think you know a lot of we've been in you know lucky to be in the right place at the right time, and you know when when COVID kicked in, I mean you know first thing people did was stock up in toilet paper, then it was groceries, then it was alcohol, right? So, <laughs> so you know we we saw a hundred percent volume growth overnight across our customer base because of that. You know I guess you know we've we've got a the. the investment market is full of a lot of weird and wonderful businesses out there, a lot of mining businesses and a lot of, you know, financial um, services and, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly a strong tech sector, but, you know, there's not that many wine businesses or alcohol businesses, you know, you can count them on, on, on one hand. And so we've got a combination of wine, which, you know, lots of people love, we've got tech and then, you know, the logistics piece. And, and so it's sort of a, the Holy Trinity, I think, is really, you know, we've been able to excite people at different levels. And um, and then I think once they've understood the fact that, you know, there's so much vertical integration with what we do that, you know, we really begin to own a big part of the value chain. And um, by being agnostic and working with anyone and everyone, you know, we're not we're not out there at the coalface trying to compete for customer sales, but we get a, 
we get a clip of every single bottle that gets moved. Now, I think once people realise the, the scale of the addressable market, um, not just here in Australia but globally, then then you know they they get excited. And so, so but it's been a wonderful journey. I um, yeah, look, I, I it's been such a learning curve. It's been exciting, exhilarating for me. And and you know, this week we topped two hundred million dollar market cap. That was that was. I'm still a bit dizzy from it to be more. But um, but, I, you know, but I think you know I'm, I'm, I've set out to create a you know an ASX you know 200 company. I think the the vision and you know and the, and the team that we've assembled is certainly capable of achieving. It's it's a matter of just how long it's going to take, and and um, we're just getting on with the job. Brilliant, and and it has been something that I've enjoyed watching as well. Like you, most companies, you follow on the ASX, you get updates every half year, and then if something big happens, but you do release every thirty days around new new wineries that you've brought in because COVID could have hit, and you could have benefited in terms of the huge uplift from consumers. But if you weren't bringing on more wineries and more more suppliers, then you would have missed out on that growth. But you could see every month more and more wineries coming on and coming on quickly. From a B2B perspective, is there any specific tactics that you've used to get those wineries and alcohol providers jumping onto the platform quickly when an event like COVID happens? Yeah, look, I mean, we, um, so we work with uh, about 400 brands at the moment, you know, so we, that's, you know, they've been accumulated over a year, a bit over a year. So, you know, there's roughly, you know, 30 or so a month that we've been signing on. We've, um, we, when COVID first hit, I mean, we realised that the industry was 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 you know they had their backs to the wall, and um, we knew that we relied, I guess, on their business for our businesses to survive. And so, um, we came out very early and, and provided a, a regional you know winery support package um, where we waived a lot of costs and actually gave them some free credit to to use towards getting up and running. And it was just to take away take away the barriers to entry. And make it really easy and no brainer for them to get on, and then, and then we sort of relied then on, I guess, the word of mouth for them to really get out and tell the rest of the the community about us. And you know, in regional areas, it, it, it's gold, right? It really is gold. I mean, they um, so much business is done on handshake basis and 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 through word of word of mouth referrals. And so, you know, by planting those seeds and then continue to water them. You know, we've been able to really um, get a strong presence in a lot of regions, and you know, I think in McLarenville now we've got you know more than ninety percent of the the wineries that have got cellar doors using our services, and so that's predominantly through word of mouth. I mean, you know, we've we've got to keep getting it right because obviously it can work against us, but but you know, like the it, it's it's been some of that grassroots strategy. You know, we certainly. We didn't throw any, you know, we, we threw nothing at marketing really and advertising. Um, we, you know, invested on boots on the ground, getting out and, and, and knocking on doors and, and telling stories and seeing in which ways we can help and getting behind industry initiatives, you know, when when people were in trouble, you know, the, you know whether it's raising money for bushfire, you know, support or whether it was, you know, female winemakers or, or you know, there was someone uh, trying to raise money for, you know, for breast cancer, you know, by selling wine. You know, we, we just do what we can to, to get in behind those as well. And I think that when people see that you're, you're trying to be a good citizen within the industry, then, you know, they, they accept you into that space and and, and, um, and welcome you with open arms. Yeah, brilliant. It's um, 
that sense of community definitely comes through um, in, in all your communications. You mentioned there about telling stories, and I can't let you go. One of the things that I read in my research is is a story that you told around a collection of early 1800s uh, French wines that you had a uh, mystery man pick up from you. I think it was back in the cracker wine days, was it? Was, it? But it was before then, actually. That was in my, my wine arc business. So, so that was my first business. So that was a business we offered climate-controlled storage um, wine collectors and to be honest, it was never meant to be a, a big business. It was meant to be a little side gig for me to make my wine drinking tech deductible. And um, <laughs> yeah, in the right place, right time, it took off. And I ended up with um, 11 sites around the country and um, you know, probably about 85% market share in that space. But but look, the, we can probably talk about who he is now. I can re- reveal his identity. He has passed away, but it was, um, it was Rene Rivkin. And um, yeah, which is sort of ironic now that you know, sort of on the public <laughs> public company space. But um, but yeah, no, they, they came in. There was I think there was seven bottles, and they he, they'd been acquired from a a Russian cellar that had been buried and uncovered. Um, I think actually somewhere near Georgia. And um, anyway, it um, they, these were amazing wines, and um, you know they were all hand blown bottles, and you know they. There are various states of, you know, of decay. You know, they weren't, none of them were really drinkable, to be honest, but they were, you know, rarities and collectibles. And so, anyway, we were charged with, with storing them. And um, and then, uh, I don't know, it was after a couple of years, um, you know, uh, there was a, a lad was sent down to, to, to pick these up because they'd been sold to someone. And um, anyway, it was, it was like something out of lock, stock, you know, just making <laughs> barrels. This, this sort of henchmen sort of turned up, you know, muscle-bound guy in his early 20s and anyway he, he insisted on seeing the wines right because they were all wrapped up in in um you know bubble wrap and then in boxes and then another box and, and i said look you know we're happy to take him out but once you take him out you you, you understand you're taking responsibility for these you know that he's like yeah, yeah yeah no problem anyway um you know he was, he was checking them i god knows what he was looking for because he was certainly no art historian or <laughs> or um, you know, sort of, um, you know, had any sort of expertise in the area, but but he had one of the bottles, and um, anyway, he I don't know what happened. It just slipped in his fingers, and it just it, it didn't fall far, like maybe two inches onto the the timber table we had in, in the office, and it cracked this bottle. It just cracked like an egg. It was just amazing to watch it crack, right? And all of this wine just spilled out over the table. Anyway, I had um, one of one of the lads that was working for me at the time. He's run over to the uh, the water fountain. He's got all of the plastic cups, you know, <laughs> all of these plastic cups. He's, he's put them around the edges of this table, and as the wine's spilling off, um, you know, it's dripping into these cups, you know, and then he's putting the cups together. And anyway, for about 15 minutes, this, this, this big burly guy didn't move a muscle. He was just in shock. He didn't know what to do. And he was, he was try- you know, obviously trying to process how he was going to explain to to, to his boss that he had, he destroyed a bottle of wine worth thousands of dollars, and um, anyway, it was really it was a bit like that scene when um, I think uh, what was the Australian one where that you know Pete let oh, two, two hands, hands he, he buries the money on the beach of Bondi, right? it was it was something 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 akin with that so. But anyway, so oh. but anyway, my lad came back to me and, he, and he'd managed to collect enough wine, and we sat there, we did cheers, and we we got to drink. I think it was like an, I can't remember exactly. I think it was like an eighteen forty seven Chateau Lafitte. Wow. You no, know, and uh, it was um, it was awful. It was terrible. But 
<laughs> I can say that I've, I've, I've had a wine that old. So, uh, anyway. Oh, wow. What a story. I love it. And, and last one I've got for you. Do you have a good value wine as a wine connoisseur? Do you have a good value wine that you think we should be keeping an eye out or an upcoming winery that we should look out for? Oh, look, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a mad Pinot, Pinot Noir drinker. It, it's my go-to drop. Um, and um, so I drink drink um, a lot of Pinot. But, um, look, I, um, I've come across a wine recently. It's, it's, look, it's not, it's, not super, it's not that cheap, to be honest, but it, I, I think it's going to be a remarkable wine which will become incredibly sought after and it's 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 made by a friend of mine rob walters and um his, his vineyard is in macedon it's called place of changing winds what a mouthful but um already you know the industry is just is chatter about these wines and um you know you if you can get on his mailing list to get your hands on some of these i mean you know, even as one of his oldest mates, I was I was only able to get a couple of dozen this year. <laughs> and uh, but look, I, you know, I've, I've only opened a couple of the wines so far, but they're absolutely gorgeous. Um, if you're into really good, you know, uh, Pinot Noir, um, but look at the at the value end. Look, I um, um, I love Giant Steps actually. Um, oh, yeah, yeah they they make wines from a couple of different regions, but the Yarra Valley Pinot is fantastic, and you can often get it on special for about twenty five bucks a bottle. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great drop. When Tamburlaine Organic Wines were looking to push their expansion nationally and internationally, they realised that their custom built Pos Focus platform just wasn't going to cut it they selected Shopify Plus as the foundation for their expansion. Plus allowed Tamburlaine to create tiered member pricing using scripts, introduce web chat, and see customer churn analytics. The result? A 30% conversion rate boost within the first six weeks of migration. Now that's something to cheers to. To read more of Tamburlaine's story and see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. So what's next for yourself? I can't imagine that you're going to stop stop still at any time. What's next for yourself and digital wine ventures? Yeah, look, I'm running out of ideas, Nathan. <laughs> I think I'm going to make this one make this one my my my, my finale. But, um, but look, I um, look, I my my background actually I was an architect, and, and I guess um, you know architecture is is actually quite similar in some ways. The the process of building. Uh, buildings to building businesses, and um, and so the only difference is, I guess, is you know, in business you get, you know, you, you after building you've got to keep it and run it, you know, which is the the trick. But um, but look, I I certainly I really enjoy creating things from scratch and and, and building out new ideas. And I think with Wine Depot we've got a real opportunity to build a business off in a lot of different directions. And so I, so I think there's um, – and I, I guess I've done – all my businesses I've done that, you know, start with one core product which we use to disrupt the market and, you know, get a foothold in it and and, um, and then leverage off that to create other, you know, products and brands and services. And so, so yeah, no, look, there's, there's, there's lots of ideas, I think, in terms of where we can grow out, um, both – I guess upstream, closer to the venues, you know, and sort of helping them you know, with systems to manage their, you know, particularly inventory replenishment, and reordering. But 
but downstream into the wineries as well, you know, and taking more tech into 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 those spaces. And certainly, you know, the applic- the the platform we've built has applications in in other markets. Like we're we're the, we're the only fully integrated, you know, sort of trading, logistics, and payment platform available in, in, in the world at the moment. And so, you know, we'll be keen to push that into places like um, particularly the UK, uh, which has got a you know, strong you know, legacy market for Australian wine. And the beauty is, I guess, if when we push offshore, we've not just got a platform uh, software application. We've, we've got relationships with wineries that we can take as well. And so, you know, we could very quickly become the go-to for Australian New Zealand wine in any market. And so... So, um, so yeah, watch your space. Obviously, a bit hard at the moment, sort of expanding yeah. while while um, you know we we're all sort of locked up in in our bubbles with COVID. But um, but yeah, no, look, it's it's certainly you know the, the the thing I love about the industry and probably the part of the industry I'm in is that you know it's it's, it's old world meets new world, you know, and um, you know we, I get to spend time you know tromping around in vineyards and and you know. <laughs> And talking to people that are absolute salt of the earth and, and, you know, they're passionate and creative and, you know, they love their product and, and then, you know, trying to find ways to help them, you know, um, make their businesses more profitable through tech, through tech. And, and that's, uh, it's a real privilege to be able to, to work in an industry that's, um, that's got, you know, roots in the ground, so to speak, physical roots. Absolutely. Oh, very exciting. And obviously huge potential and making a real difference to those businesses who, um, you're fixing one of their biggest problems. Last, last one I've got for you. How can people, if they, if they've heard this and they're really interested in connecting with you or your team, what's the best way for them to go about it? Uh, look, definitely through the website, which is, uh, winedepot.com. So W-I-N-E-D-E-P-O-T.com. Our corporate site is digitalwine.ventures. Um, so there's more information about, you know, the, the ASX company there and I guess our mandate. Um, you know, we obviously wind up at the only investment at the moment, but we, we are looking to diversify over time um, into, into other parts of the, you know, the, the wine and beverage supply chain. And, um, yeah, so reach out through the website and we can connect them depending on, you know, whether, a, you know, a supplier or a buyer, we can sort of certainly point them in the right direction and um if if um you know anyone's in, interested in, the, in in getting on board as a as an investor to um our stock code is dw8 yeah put that on your watch list and um and uh yeah sort of join the join the, the comrades that are sort of helping us take this this vision to the world absolutely i can recommend it even if you're not an investor put it on the watch list just to get the monthly updates it's um fascinating business to watch and and invest in so thank you dean really appreciate you sharing your insights um and your journey so far not a problem as again thanks very much for having me it's a pleasure now it wasn't a path that i expected to go down too much with dean but what stayed with me after the conversation was the importance of communication and trust when building a business like wine depot Despite being a tech platform and playing in the field of e-com, all of which is usually automated, Dean and his team have spent a huge amount of time face-to-face with their grape farmers, aka their wineries, and their potential investors. He knows that no matter how good their tech is or advanced their data techniques, he doesn't survive if he doesn't bring along those key stakeholders for the journey. It was a great reminder 
that you need to assume the most basic level of communication before getting too fancy in order to build trust. And I think that goes for all of us playing in e-commerce. To finish up, I have three resources for you. Firstly, if you're a first-time listener of Add to Cart and you want to stay up to date with new episodes, head over to addtocart.com.au and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll let you know every time a new episode drops as well as giving you my three takeaways from each episode and a link to the transcripts so you can know that this is an episode that you want to dive straight into. Secondly, if you want a weekly roundup of the best e-commerce case studies, tools, and research, sign up to the High Five Friday newsletter, which is delivered to inboxes at 8am every Friday morning. I read all the e-commerce news and send you the bits that I think you can take action from. Sign up at 12high12high.com.au forward slash high five. And the last thing, if you are looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, head over to esuitetalent.com.au. We are a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands. Check it out, sign up to the email and get in touch with me if you want to discuss your next move. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep those customers adding to cart.